This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. Tick, 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 tick. Can you hear that clock? Of course you can because I'm saying tick, tick, tick on the radio. This is not a radio. This is a podcast. I'm so used to saying radio for 20 years. I'm saying radio when I'm doing a podcast. It's a lot more fun doing a podcast than the radio. I don't have to sit through 18 minutes of commercials, and I don't have to go into a studio. I'm right here in my home, and I'm having a ball. And let me tell you something. The reason I'm tick, tick, ticking on the clock is because the NFL season is almost upon us. Training camp is underway. We had the Hall of Fame game. The first full season of the first full week of the preseason is this week, starting starting on Thursday, this weekend. There's going to be all kinds of games. And before you know it, the regular season will be here. We are one month away. I can't wait for football. And we're breaking down the rough and tumble NFC East on this edition of the Bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull. All right, coming up later, we're going to talk with uh, John Schmelk. John covers the Giants. He's an analyst. Does pre and post on the Giants radio network will get his thoughts on whether the Giants who made the playoffs last year and actually won a playoff game upsetting the Vikings in the first round before being eliminated if the Giants can go further or will they go backwards what do I think I'll get to it in a little bit let's begin with the team that was the best team in this division and went all the way to the Super Bowl that is the Philadelphia Eagles the Eagles uh come into this season and you say well could they be as good as last year? Will Jalen Hurts be as good as last year? Will uh, the defense be as dominating as it was last year? The, 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 the Eagles had 70 sacks last season. 70! The Chiefs were second in the NFL with 55. And think about that for a minute. They had 15 more sacks than the next best team. To put it into perspective, the Chiefs were second with 55 sacks. It, to to get a 15 sack difference to to another team you got to go all the way to the middle of the pack with buffalo so that's how big a difference it was in terms of this division though dallas was right up there i mean they were tied for third with 54 sacks the giants 41 sacks last year uh washington also i oh, actually had more than the giants with 43 so this is a division that features some good defense but are any of the defenses in this division as good as philadelphia i don't think so are any of the offenses in this division as good as Philadelphia? I don't think so either. And ultimately, that's why I think Philadelphia will not only win the division yet again. Now, I don't think it's going to be easy. And if things don't go as expected for Philadelphia, I do think it's possible that some of these other teams can creep up and beat them. I'll tell you in a minute which team I think is most likely to overtake them if it happens. But I also think they have a great chance to go back to the Super Bowl. We've talked a lot about the AFC. We've started this this, this pre-prediction uh, season 
uh, analyzing all the AFC divisions. And constantly I've said, yeah, the AFC is loaded top to bottom. Well, the NFC is the opposite. The NFC is not loaded top to bottom. And in the NFC, to me, when I look at the NFC, whereas I said in the AFC, it feels like there's eight, nine teams that could possibly go to the Super Bowl. Some certainly more likely than others. In the NFC, there seems to be, in my opinion, two teams that stand out from the pack. And one of them, San Francisco, depending on is Brock Purdy the real deal or not. The rest of the team is loaded. And the other is the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a crapshoot. I, I, I don't feel great about any other team making the playoffs in the NFC. Uh, although I think another team in the East probably would be my third top choice. I'll get again and get to that later. But as for the Eagles, I look at the Eagles, say in comparison to the Giants, and it's hard to find an area where the Giants are better than the Eagles. Now you say, well, now wait a second here. What about running back? Well, okay, Saquon Barkley, one-on-one, is certainly a lot better than anybody that the Eagles have. There's no denying that. Uh, That's not even close. However, top to bottom, the Eagles don't rely on one running back, right? They went with Miles Sanders as their primary back, but he, in the end, wasn't a primary back. The Giants have Saquon Barkley. He's great. And overall, if you want to give the Giants an edge at running back, I can live with that. But the Eagles have a group of backs that do different things, and all and a number of them are, are good backs. DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny are the newer additions, right? Uh, Penny had been in Seattle. Swift had been in Detroit. Both these guys have shown a high upside. Now, both have been injured a lot. That's been a problem. Uh, but both have a lot of talent. And you throw in the two guys that were there, and Kenneth Gainwell and, and Boston Scott, who we know has killed the, the Giants. I like their running back group a lot uh, because because you, you'll get some great stuff from Swift and Penny. And if they don't stay healthy, well, you got the other guys too. Now, you don't want to get two of those guys hurt. Um, but... I, I like the group as a whole. Obviously, you look at their wide receiving room. Their top two receivers are fantastic. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are a top five tandem in the league. Dallas Goddard is somewhere around the fifth best tight end. Maybe he's fifth. Maybe he's fourth. Maybe seventh. Whatever. He's definitely a top ten tight end. And, of course, Jalen Hurts coming off a magnificent season. Uh, two years ago, he struggled. Last year, he was great. I think the the biggest question with Philadelphia is when a guy makes a jump that big from one year to the next, is there a slide back the year after? That's the one thing where I look at Philadelphia and say, well, if Hertz slides back from, you know, pro bowl to good, is that enough to knock the Eagles out of the top spot? It could be. It could be in, in a in a pretty tough NFC East. Uh, I don't like the NFC as a whole. I do think the NFC East is is the best division in the NFC. Uh, I actually think all four teams are at least going to be decent, including Washington. But it's hard to find a lot of holes on Philadelphia. Uh, they added three defensive players from Georgia, the best defensive team in the league. They already had a bunch of Georgia guys. Jalen Carter, they get in the first round. Nolan Smith somehow gets it, gets to 31. They already, you know, they lost a couple of guys in free agency because they couldn't pay everybody. 
but it seems like they filled the gaps pretty nicely. Um, still have a young coach who did a great job. Will he go backwards? You know, I, I think there's some possibilities. And from year to year, for whatever reason, teams don't click. But this team won 14 games last year. They played great, and including in the Super Bowl. I mean, this, the defense wasn't great, but no defense is going to look perfect against uh, Patrick Mahomes. And in the end, the Eagles, to me, is every reason to believe <clears throat> that they will still be the best team in the East and potentially be still the best team in all of the NFC. When we come back, we're going to talk with we're going to go to the Giants. We will talk about the Cowboys too. I said which team is more likely to win the division if the Eagles slide back? I'll admit it's not Washington. I got Washington last. Now, I don't think they're going to be terrible. I think they're going to be competitive, but I got them last. Who do I have second and most likely to hop into first? Is it the Giants? Is it the Cowboys? We'll start to get a feel for it next when we talk to John John Schmelk, a Giants analyst for the Giants radio network. John joins us next. You're listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull. All right, we are back, and we're continuing our look at the NFC East as we preview we go through all the divisions. I started with the Eagles, the defending champs in the East, the defending champs in the NFC. If they are going to be taken down in the NFC East and what is probably the, be- the best division in the NFC, it'll be by either the Cowboys or the Giants, most likely. We'll talk about the Cowboys in a little bit. But for now, we'll talk with John Schmelk, who, of course, covers the Giants, part of the Giants radio network. John, I know you cover the Giants, but if you had to say more likely to pick off the Eagles and end up in first place, would you pick the Giants or would you pick the Cowboys right now? Look, Dallas has won 12 games two straight years. And I think if you just look at from a talent perspective, I do think Dallas is probably still a little bit ahead of where the Giants are. But I really do like the Giants coaching staff and how much they help the team overperform, I think, expectations last year. So I think you give them the advantage there as you start to move forward here. And you hope that with the new weapons they've added on offense with Darren Waller, a lot of speed, a wide receiver, Daniel Jones can take that next step as a quarterback, as a thrower. He ran the ball really well last year. And if that does happen, then I think the gap with Dallas is significantly closed. I think that's fair. I think that's a good breakdown. I think you would have to, I agree with you. I think you'd have to lean towards Dallas right now, but the Giants are right there. Uh, you mentioned a lot of things I want to follow up on. Let's start yeah. let's, let's start with the, the wide receivers because y- y- they brought in new talent there. They have, been, they have been snake bit at that position. It seems like everybody they bring in gets hurt. It's bizarre. Is there something – has it just been bad luck? I mean, is, there, is that all you can point to? Do you, can you point to anything else? Because it seems like that's all they've had at that position for a number of years. Yeah, I think it's mostly bad luck, and I think the last couple of years, obviously, they've had a regime change. Now they're bringing in different sets of players with a different set of eyes. Now, ironically, Bull, the two big additions this offseason have had horrible injury issues the last two years. Darren Waller, who's had trouble staying on the field for the Raiders, and Paris Campbell, who's had trouble staying on the field for the Colts during his young career. But both players are very, very talented, and... Waller is going to be, he's not listed as a wide receiver, but he's going to be the Giants' number one option in the passing game this year. Uh, He has been basically uncoverable in training camp this summer. He's been great. And Paris Campbell has been very effective as a slot wide receiver. And I'll throw one more name out there. You know, Jalen Hyatt is someone the Giants traded up to draft in round number three. The offense at Tennessee, as you know, runs that R. Bryle system. It's a very limited route tree. It's a very simple system. 
So watching him in college, I thought it would take him a long time to figure out the pro game. He's picked it up very quickly. In the spring, it was slow going. He didn't do a ton in terms of production on the practice field at OTAs. But in the summer, he's been probably their second best wide receiver in practice. And it's not just deep stuff. He's certainly getting open deep with the speed, 4-4 guy. But he's running a pretty wide route tree and creating separation on, on underneath routes too. So Jalen Hyatt, I think, is probably a little bit further ahead than at least I thought he would be at this time as well. Oddly enough, Cedric Tillman, who he, who he played with at Tennessee, who's with the Browns, was also a third-round pick, is having a great camp too. So interestingly, both those Tennessee wide receivers who were drafted maybe later than expected so far look good. But uh, get let me get back to Waller because a couple of years ago, I want to say three years ago, it felt like he was moving into that elite class of tight ends, right? We know it, yeah. I mean, tra- at this point, Travis Kelsey's probably in a class of his own, but Kittle, right? There's not many guys. There aren't that many wide receivers that make a mass uh, tight ends that make a massive impact in the passing game. And he had become one of those guys. But as you say, his injuries have just crushed him the last few years and he's not young. So it, it is risky for the giants, but the upside there, I mean, is really high. Uh, if he can stay healthy, what kind of year do you expect him to have? I know it's a big if. Yeah, I think it's the year he had three years ago, right? I don't have it in front of me, but I think it was basically 80 catches, 1,100 yards, and eight touchdowns. I would expect him to be somewhere in that area, you know, maybe not to 1,100, maybe, you know, 70 catches, 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns, something like that. That's the type of target share I think he's going to get. So there are fantasy football players out there. If you want to roll the dice on the injuries, Darren Waller is going to be a tight end to buy because you could probably get him later than the other top guys, but he could, in theory, give you similar production. You know, Saquon Barkley, there's obviously been a ton of talk about how the running backs are not getting paid. We all, I mean, any of us that cover the game understand the way the game is headed. The running backs are just not getting paid. It seemed like it was going to be ugly there, and then all of a sudden the Giants offered him, I don't even think, I can't remember exactly how much, but it wasn't that much more money. And he came into camp. Is he happy or is he okay? Like, what What's? What do you feel about how he's feeling about the Giants and the situation right now? Yeah, I don't think – I think he'd prefer to have a long-term deal. Yeah. I don't think he's thrilled he's playing on a one-year deal. But – and this is what I told everyone and all the Giant fans that were kind of freaking, about this, freaking out about this situation in June. Saquon loves his teammates too much and wants to win too much to come in here and give a half-hearted effort. He's going to come. He's been himself. There's been no indication in his outward appearance and the way he's worked and related to the coaches and teammates and organization that he's unhappy. So, yeah, I'm sure he'd prefer to have the long-term deal, but he's come in here, he's been a professional, and I would expect him to be that all year round. So I I do not think there are any concerns this year with Saquon because, quite frankly, and he said this in his opening press conference, but when he showed up, look, the only thing I can do here to earn a big contract is to come in, play really well, help the team win a significant way, be extremely productive, and then next year, hopefully, we can get something done. If I come in here and I don't play well or I don't play at all, no team's going to be more motivated to give me a long-term deal, so that doesn't really help him. I think he's pretty self-aware in terms of what he has to do to make that happen. Yeah, it didn't work for Le'Veon Bell. It's it's just not going to work. You know, let's let's wrap up the offense before you get one question on the defense. Daniel Jones did get his money, right? He signs a big extension. Everybody goes crazy about the money. It is what it is. We understand quarterbacks get paid. Now, here's the thing. As, as the years have gone by, I'm convinced that it's nearly impossible now to win a Super Bowl unless you have, I say top 10. It doesn't exactly end at 10. I don't Whether that line is at 8 or at 11, who knows? 
Now, I tier one or two. How about that? Tier one tier or two. Tier one or two. Fine. I like that better. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think Daniel Jones, he's t- certainly not a tier one quarterback. I don't think he's a tier two quarterback. I think he's tier three. Do you believe he's tier two? And if you don't, do you think there's enough around him to give them a chance to win even with a tier three quarterback? I don't think he was a tier two quarterback next year, but I think the reason the Giants paid him and were motivated to sign him long-term is that I think they believe he can become a tier two quarterback with those better pieces around him. One more year in Brian Dable's system, which is very complicated. Everyone says it. Yeah. So I think you hope, and he has all the physical tools to do it now. He's big, he can run, he's strong, he's big arm, he's accurate. He has the tools, but can he bring that onto the field and improve as a passer, specifically between the 20s? As a red zone passer last year, he was one of the best in the league. But can he create more explosive plays? The Giants were last in the league last year in passes of 20-plus yards. That's the stuff that has to get better in between the 20s for Daniel Jones. If he can do that, they add another passing weapon. Maybe next year you get that true number one wide receiver, which I think most great quarterbacks need. I think he can get into that tier two. Is he there yet? Has he shown he's that guy yet? No, not yet. But that's okay. He's still a young quarterback, and I think the Giants hope he can get there. Um, For the Giants to make a true run, I think he does have to play like a Tier 2 quarterback. Yeah, I agree. John, when you look at the Giants' defense, uh, break it down for us, will you? Like The strengths and weaknesses, what are you most confident in? What are you most concerned about when it comes to the Giants' defense right now? Young secondary, uh, specifically at the cornerback position, Bull, you know, young corners are talented, but sometimes it takes some time. And even the best ones earlier in their career, at least the ones not named Patrick Sertan and Sauce Gardner, have some growing pains. And if I had to guess right now, two of the three Giants, you know, starting cornerbacks, most teams have to start three corners now in nickel, yeah. um, are going to be rookies, Trey Hawkins and Deontay Banks. One's a sixth-round pick. Deontay Banks was their first-round pick. And that's always a, a worry, right? Yeah. You know, Young corners getting beat by big-time wide receivers, and there's no shortage of big-time wide receivers in the NFC East. Just look at Washington, look at Dallas, look at Philly. They all have an excellent set of wide receivers. So that's what worries me. I think their defensive front's going to be very good. They were bad against the run last year, but they have Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams. They sign Ashawn Robinson. They bring in uh, Nacho, Nunez Rochez from the Bucks. They'll stop the run a lot better. They sign Bobby Okereke. And then I think what not enough people are talking about is the potential growth of their edge rushers, right? Kayvon Thibodeau, first-round pick last year. He's someone that could take the next step. He kind of came on second half of last year after he got over a knee injury. Then Aziz Ojolari, you look at his sack rate numbers, sacks per game. They were some of the best in the league. The problem is that he injured his calf three different times last Mm. year, and he couldn't stay on the field. So if those guys, along with those defensive tackles, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, again, two of the best defensive tackles in the league, can get some pass rush and mitigate the issues with those young corners a little bit with wings blitzing and all that stuff. That's where I think their strength lies. But if they can't get pressure and those young corners are out there on an island, yeah, that true. could be a problem, especially with a very, very tough early season schedule. All right, John, let's wrap it up with this. The most likely scenario for the Giants in terms of where they finish in the division, how many wins, and whether or not they make the playoffs. The most likely scenario is what? I think most likely is they're probably right behind Dallas. You know, I think the whole division win totals will go down this year because they play the AFC East instead of the AFC South, and it's just a whole different ball game. Yep. I looked it up. I, I don't remember the exact number. I think the NFC East went 14-2 and two against the AFC South last year. You want to know why all their records were that yeah. good? Well, that's why. Right, yeah. You know what they're not going to do? 
go 14 and two against the Dolphins, Bills, Jets, and Patriots. Definitely so not. that everyone's record's going to go down a little bit. So I think the Giants will probably be right behind Dallas in third place. And I think they're going to be right in the mix with, you know, whatever team doesn't win the NFC North, the Seahawks, whatever teams don't win the NFC South to get that second and third wild card spot. So I think that's where they're going to be. They'll probably be around nine and eight. I think 10 and seven is, is probably would be a really good number for them this year. And they'll be competing for that wild for those last two wild card spots, just like last year. John, good stuff, man. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks, Bull. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull. All right, we've broken down the Giants. We've broken down the Eagles. Now let's get to the Cowboys. I'm with John. I also think I've been telling you who's more likely to move ahead of Philadelphia if things don't go right for the Eagles. I think it's definitely the Cowboys. And this is coming from someone that can't stand the Cowboys. But I call it like I see it. I think Dallas is a better team than the Giants. Um, I am expecting, you know, we talked about with the Giants, Saquon Barkley got the franchise tag. Well, same thing with Dallas and Tony Pollard. And I am expecting a monster year for Tony Pollard. I know he's coming off an injury last year. I don't really like the the depth behind him. It's all unproven guys. But I've been waiting for Tony Pollard to get a chance to be the guy for a long time. And now, with Ezekiel Elliott out of the mix, still a free agent, by the way, Tony Pollard is getting a chance to be the number one guy. And maybe he's a guy with more touches who's not as good. That happens sometimes, but I don't expect it. I, I think Tony Pollard is going to be a top five running back in the National Football League this year. I love what he what he brings in terms of pass catching. Between Even though he's not a huge guy running between the tackles, this guy's sensational. They've upgraded their receiving core last year. They traded away Amari Cooper, which kind of hurt them. They brought in Brandon Cooks this year to go with C.D. Lamb. Michael Gallup hopefully will stay healthy for them for the first time. It comes down to Dak Prescott and what's going on with this guy. It was a big disappointment last year. He's not really been the same guy since the injury a couple of years ago. Maybe now two years removed for the injury, he can pull it together. He's just 30 years old, so he's not old. I mean, just turned 30 like a couple of weeks ago. And I'm expecting kind of a bounce-back solid year for Dak Prescott. I, I don't think he's a great quarterback, but I think he's better than Daniel Jones. And I expect him to lead an offense that should be very talented with a good offensive line and very good skill position talent. They have some, obviously, some standout players on the defense. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't know the top to bottom. Their defense is that good. They did draft Mozzie Smith in the first round this past year out of Michigan uh, to play the nose. Big, huge guy. Um, I know he was a little banged up, but I, I'm expecting good things from him. We know what Demarcus Lawrence brings. And, of course, Micah Parsons is as good as any player in the entire NFL on the defensive side of the ball. They've got a really interesting defense, a lot of high draft picks. Most of their starters first, second round picks. It's it's an interesting team. I, I thought uh, uh, John made a good point about the competition being tougher playing the AFC East instead of the AFC South this year means lower records. I think it's going to be real tight between the top three teams. But ultimately, I, I've got Philly one, Dallas two, Giants three, and the Washington Commanders four. There's already controversy in Commanders camp because the poor players are being pushed too hard by Eric Bieniemy. That's pathetic. I mean, that is really sad and pitiful that you can't take hard coaching. You can't be soft like that. But ultimately, Washington, they're going with Sam Howell at quarterback. as a fifth-round pick. You never know, but their quarterback situation is dicey. 
Now, they've got really nice skill position talent kind of under the radar, right? Terry McLaurin is a great wide receiver out of, out of Ohio State. Jahan Dotson was a first-round pick two years ago. Looks like a player. Curtis Samuel, another guy out of Ohio State, I thought played a really nice role for them last year. Uh, they've got a, a really talented running back room between Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson, and they drafted a kid named Chris Rodriguez this year who's an interesting player. Logan Thomas is a tight end who's always been pretty good if he could stay healthy. Um, that's an if. but uh, And their defensive line certainly has had a lot of potential. Can the first-round pick in 2020 Chase Young ever stay healthy? They turned down his fifth-year option. You would have never thought that would be the case after year one. Their entire starting defensive line is first-round picks. Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, all first-round picks, 17, 18, 19, and 20. And they have six first-round picks starting total on their defense. They're not a bad team, but because of their quarterback situation, I got them with, you know, eight wins, seven, eight wins. They're not terrible, but not good enough to compete with the rest of the division. I think it's that simple. So there you go. All right. Thanks for joining me, as always. Coming up later this week, we'll be looking at the NFC North. Can the Bears make a move? Are the Lions the favorite? Or will Jordan Love show that the Packers are still the team to beat? And we can't forget about the Vikings, who I almost forgot about, who actually won the division last year. It's an interesting NFC North. We'll get to that later in the week. Thanks to Brian Monzo for producing and John Schmelk for joining me. I'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. Thanks for listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network.